Welcome to the Most Mogul Podcast. My name is Russ Turner, former firefighter turned success connecting entrepreneur. With every interview, I bring you an inspiring personal message to help you discover how to unlock your true potential. In this episode, number six, I interview multi-millionaire Levi Roots, founder of the extremely well-known and successful brand, Reggae Reggae Sauce. Hello, Levi. Yeah, hi there. Sorry about that, man. My last interview, I went went over. And I was yeah, sure, sure. No worries, no worries. And get rid of that. Yeah, oh, so I'll just, I'll just introduce myself. I'm Russ Turner for Most Mogul. Hi, Russ. Cool. Yeah, it's good to speak to you. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to uh, record this for mostmogul.com. Thank you very much, Russ, man. I'm looking forward to speaking. I hope you've got some cool questions. I've got some que- <laughs> a lot of cool questions for you because you're a cool dude. So. Thank you very um, much. I'm going to start by saying where I first laid eyes on you, and that was Dragon's Den. Yeah, You mm. pitching your reggae reggae sauce to the Dragons was one of the most memorable moments to date. It was like watching a ready-made advert or commercial. What do you rem- remember most about that experience? God, I, the most thing I remember just, just before I actually went on, I remember my guitar string breaking, breaking twice. I'd said to the producers that says, I don't want to go on because it looks like some are spiritual guys and I was a restaurant. So I was saying to him, look, the guitar string is bloody broke twice. So something is telling me that not to go on. Here I was thinking that I'm going to be the black guy who who, made a fool of. No no one black has ever been on the program, much less nobody with Rastaman singing a bloody song called Reggae Reggae Sauce Song. And I'm thinking that here I'm going to be that token black guy that they're going to just completely annihilate me. I said to the producer, I don't want to go on with five strings on my guitar and I'm going home. And they came back and says, no, Levi, please, you know, we're going to get you some guitar strings. And they, they sent somebody to Kennington and the, the, the show was being filmed in, in um, London Bridge in those days. Right. And they sent somebody to a guitar shop in Kennington to get me a guitar string. Came back, I strung up the guitar and it broke again. No. And I'm thinking <laughs> that I'm not going to go on. And, and they absolutely but, begged me, said, but, Levi, please, please go on. Even if you can wobble your yeah. voice around the five strings on the guitar. You know, we got to do this, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna let's try to do this. And you know, I went out. If you ever look at look at that clip, you will see that there's only five strings on that guitar. All right. <laughs> I, didn't, didn't I bet the nerves. One. I bet the nerves were kicking in full effect then. It really was. So when I went up and I sang, I didn't even look at those bloody dragons because I'd never heard of Peter Jones. I heard of Duncan or any of them. I never, never, never saw dragons then. And the, the, I had two weeks before I was spotted. Two or three weeks. And I tried everything to stay away from my kids who were trying to put the computer in my face, trying to tell me stories about Peter. And I'm saying, I don't want to know anything about that. Negative distractions. So, <laughs> absolutely. So when I came up the stairs with five strings on those guitar and I started to sing, the only thing that I could think of, these are not five guys. These are 5,000 people. Levi, you're used to performing in front of 5,000 people. You've got your guitar. Somebody says, Levi Roots is your time. Now you go and perform. And yeah. that's exactly what so I mind, did. I ignored mind over absolutely. I, I absolutely ignored them. And, and played. But that was the cool bit. You know, It was the bit afterwards. <laughs> you know, the fucked up bit afterwards. <laughs> when I got my numbers wrong and everything, that was the bit. But by then, it was sold, you know, the... Yeah, the the music and the coolness of the guitar and all that, you know, it didn't really matter what came up my mouth afterwards. So what, Peter told me that he would have invested. What um what made you want to go on Dragons Den in the first place? 
Well, I was spotted. As I said, I went on because my kids told me that dad don't do it. So that's why <laughs> so you've done the opposite. Um, yeah, I was spotted by one of the producers um, while I was doing my thing in 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 in, a, in an event, <coughs> and I, like I said, I'd never heard of the show. So when she yeah. gave me a card and said Dragons Den, you know, it did it just went over my head. I just didn't see mm. it was as my kids when I when I come home normally from those events, I collect business cards and, yeah. and they put the cards into these boxes that we've uh-huh. got. And as my daughter, she saw the BBC card with the lady's name on it, and it's got Dragons Den producer. And um, she was the one, my kids, two of them was jumping up and down, you know, Daddy's Dragons Den. Is that but then the decision was, you know, don't sing that song. You know, we said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and sing the song. You know, they're saying that, you know, nah, don't embarrass yourself. It's not going to happen and, you and whatever. But then I went for it because I wanted to prove them that you've you got to be yourself. Yeah. You know, you've got to be who you are don't don't try to pretend to be someone else mm. there's obviously there must be many people that have wanted to go on dragon's den and had that thought to go on there but that that, that haven't actually followed it through um and for you that was like a defining moment in your life where you was obviously brave enough yeah. well to, i, I to call go it on inspired show. action you know that's why i call mm. it inspired action because a lot of the times we get the inspiration to do something you know like for instance we think oh i want to run the london marathon or i want to do something fantastic and give it to charity and the thought sounds really good and you think yeah i want to do it but when the time comes in, do you actually do it? No, no. Not, not all of the time. But the great thing is when you get the inspiration and then you actually follow up on that. And and I thought that they inspired my kids was inspired me because I wanted to prove to them that you can be yourself. And yeah. that's why I followed up on it because you I wanted achieve. to show them that you can do it. Yeah. Um, get back to your pitch uh, in, in the Dragon Team <laughs> uh, where you said your sailed all the predictions went slightly awry. What was actually going through your mind at that precise point? Well, like anyone in the den, it, when you're faced with that part, you know, you struggle and you try to wind mm. it back in every way. But actually, I didn't do that. What I did, and if you notice the pitch again, I admitted my frailties, you know. Yeah. And I think that was how I got I got um, the investment mm. from these guys who don't know a black restaurant from Brixton. None of them have had the experience of of knowing someone like my background. They probably yeah. thought that he's going to argue and, you know, it's going to be this yeah, and yeah. that. And I, I, but this is my thought anyway. I think I threw them off when I, when Richard Farley said to me that Levi, you know, in certain ways, he said, you can't count and, you, you know, you know, you've got your numbers, you know, a million out. Um, <laughs> I just put my hand up and I said, yeah, you fair know, enough. Um, yeah, fair enough. It's, I'm fine. The source is fantastic. I can promote it and I can do everything. What I need is you, you know, with your business brains, you know, to, to be able to mm. help me through. That's really what I was trying to say to them. And I think that is the honesty of, of saying, look, you know, I, I really need this help. I've got a great yeah. product, but I'm going to need you to kind of guide me through it. I think that's what swung it swung it for me. Yeah. Well, you got the job done, signed, sealed and delivered. Um, Peter Jones and Richard Farley invested £50,000 for a 40, 40% stake in your regular, regular source. Um, they were, also, they invested in you because obviously you, they were buying into the whole package. Um, obviously, the, the source, the product that you had, the image that you have, that I think they could see a whole package. Yeah, well, they had two different styles. As you know, the, each investor in, on, in the den, they'll have their own styles, what they do. I think Richard Farley went for the investment in reggae reggae sauce um, because that's how he normally, he's a serial investor, you know. He's not a people person in that respect. Right. Um, whereas Peter is. 
and a Peter always invests in the person mm. and hopes that if the product's any good, then if we got a good salesperson, he'll be able to yeah, do yeah. the job. So he was see, Peter was seeing beyond the product; he was seeing the packages. Absolutely, and 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 eighteen months after Dragons, then Richard thought that you know he has an opportunity for him to to make a lot of money, um, because you know the shares now was gone up of of the the, the regular regular saw shares and and he paid twenty five thousand which is like a lunch break to him yeah, and he yeah. spends that in, in his sleep <laughs> um and eighteen months after I had to pay him nearly two hundred and fifty thousand which is a lot of money buy shares back twenty five thousand um so for him it was a great piece of business that he yeah. done but oh god Peter yeah never, Peter you never you don't himself. get that return you, anywhere you don't get no and he's gone on record of saying it is one of his best pieces of business that he's ever done. Blimey. But you know, Peter, Peter's been in it now for what mm. we're going into our twelfth year now. So, um, right. you know, he, he's invested in, as I says, in the person and me. And with that, we we don't just have just the sauce. We've we've had over fifty different products on the brand. You know, we've oh. got ten licensees, <clears throat> and now we have restaurants and that sort of stuff. So mm. it, it's a great journey that we mm. we've had because of that relationship. Yeah, since that since that moment, your regular regular sauce has become how they say in Jamaica, big man thing, which means serious business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it has, it has. Yeah, you might, I mean, you must have learned a hell of a lot from being around Peter Jones and Richard Farley, um, just from well, being in those circles. You can't help it, you know, and and I think you'll be a fool not to. Your business won't last long if you know if you don't spend the majority of the time in the business, um, being mentored by these people. Mm. It is about a long-term plan. Yeah. No business is short-term. You know, the only ones that are short-term is when you're dabbling on, on the stock market and you go and you make a kill and you're out again. But when you're doing something you know, like what we're doing in, in, in the business world, it is about a long, long-term planning. And it's great to have these people to, to be able to, to make your plan with. Yeah. You know? um, I've always said that everyone needs somebody that knows more than them in business. You know, and I don't think just 10 years or so after, you know, being in Dragons and selling selling sauces, I'm ready to do without one of the greatest mm. minds in business in this country, in Peter. So for me, as long as he wants to be involved, you know, in the yeah. business, you You're know, happy to, I'm happy to have him there you know, <laughs> because I said, you know, you always need somebody that knows more than you. And, and, yeah, and yeah. for me, I, I have one of the best, the best mentors in, in business. Oh, of course. Do you, do you think you've reached a stage where you could mentor other people or do you mentor others? Well, yes, I, I, I mean, hundreds. I mean, absolutely hundreds and thousands. Are, and I'm very proud, you know, to, to do that. Um, whereas, you know, for me, what I did in the den and my story and, and everything is, I mean, for instance, every year we get, you know, we get loads of schools doing the Levi Root story as programs. You know, oh, wow. over the past 10, yeah. 11 years, that is amazing. Yeah, and I've amazing, been to yeah. thousands of school. You know, my School of Life tour is one of the most popular um, things on the school curriculums around the country for the past 10 years. We've been doing that from primary schools to universities. Uh, um, you know, <clears throat> did, I've done the Oxford debate, you know, and yeah. absolutely everything. Um, I mean, that's extremely, that extremely powerful to reach the young minds of today and inspire them to that they can achieve greatness from any well, it, background it absolutely it is because i think once you've done your job and, and you, you started to feed your family the main thing is to pass on your information back on to someone else and and that's how i've mentored and 
and try to sort of pass on my information to people. We mentor hundreds of kids personally, but I think the greatest mentoring that I do is just being Levi and yep. telling the story <laughs> and keep the business going. It's one of a kind. I think we're in a position that where Afro-Caribbean people are concerned, they are so proud of it because it is one of the biggest names that comes to the lips of anybody who is Afro-Caribbean when you think of business. And to, to be in that position, that's a fantastic position when people think of business and you're one of the few names that, that comes up. And I think that's mentoring for me because you know it, it keeps people thinking that if he can do it, then maybe there's a chance for us. Mm. Well, that's, that's really great to hear. I must admit that you're... you're pursuing that still um moving away from the dragon's den um i wanted to talk to you about your, your musical roots yeah um, just some of the things i'm going to relay for the most mode most mobile audience is some of your musical achievements um you've you've performed on stage with james brown and maxi priest you've you were friends with the late great bob marley in 1998 you were nominated for a mobile award for best reggae act and in Brixton in 1996, you performed Happy Birthday, Mr. President for Nelson Mandela. That is just some remarkable achievements. Yeah, and don't forget, giving the keys to Brixton um, as well, too, as one of wow. another one that I, well, I like to throw in there because some of mm. these fantastic things that I never thought well, what would happen to me. And again, I'm always thinking, that it, are they talking about someone else? Um, wow, you must pinch know, yourself I, sometimes. Absolutely. You know, I, I remember walking around Brixton and doing all things bad when I struggled when I was in my teens and mm. you didn't have a job. And, and in order for you to survive on the streets, you, yeah, you, you know, do. you had to do all the wrong things. Mm. and and which I did a lot of that, yeah. And and to see many many years later them give me the open bloody keys of the, as the freemen of the city, yeah. It, it is How really things have changed. inspiring. <laughs> you know, it, it really is, you know. And and that sort of stuff, you know. As I, as you say, I pinch myself when, mm. whenever, whenever. It's, all, it it's also the environment that you grow up in as well. If if it's happening around you, you kind of get sucked into that kind of environment, and it's a way of life. It is, but, but you have to change that, you know, yeah. by, by the things that you do, especially if one, if you are one that's been around a long time that people should look up, look up to you, you've got to have a good story to tell. And, and that's why I'm one of the still a few in well-known faces in Brixton that's been there from the times when things were bad in the 70s to, to now. And, and it's great that I have a good story to tell, you know. I'm not one that's walking around with my head down thinking, you know, oh, Brixton is changing, it's all white yeah. people and there's no more black people and all that kind of, you know, because I, I remember the days when nobody wanted to come to bloody Brixton um, <laughs> at all, whether you were black or white. Um, so, yeah, I've lived through it. So it's great experience all around. Um, do you have any other celebrity encounters from your past that maybe I haven't mentioned that you could share with us? Um, there is so many. I'm not one to, to sort of drop celebrity names apart from those that's really mm -hmm. inspired, inspired me, you know, as I said, the few that we've mentioned so okay. far. But, you know, I've asked, it was asked before, one of the, the couple that, um, that sort of inspired me when I've met them and they've said, wow, Levi, we actually know you and we love you. And I'm thinking that, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. inspired by you. Terry Wogan, I remember when I met yeah. him, uh, he interviewed me and, and it was just like, wow, you know, you this man telling me that he knows the source and and um and I was completely smitten by him and he's such a fantastic man you know really yeah. amazing the, the people that you see as celebrities are now seeing you as a celebrity and, and yeah. you're inspiring <laughs> them and absolutely I mean I mean Prince Charles for instance you know is great um 
you know, we've been working together now for many, many years and with the Prince's Trust and I'm an ambassador there. And, and it's great when I meet when I meet him at the various dues and when I meet, you know, some of the royals. For instance, mm. a couple of weeks ago, I was back in the palace and uh, Sophie Wessex was there and we were talking to each other like old friends, you know what I'm saying? And, and even then I'm thinking to myself, bloody hell, Levi, you know, you've come up to know where you, you are. <laughs> Done all right, in the palace, you know, regular, you know, you know yeah. yourself around the place and here you are chatting to, to, to one of them, um, you know, as if like you're really good friends. Did you so, think... I mean, when things like that, that happens, it's, you know, for me, it's again, it's pinch yourself moment that yeah. you, you have come a long way. Do you think these moments are coming from taking action again on opportunities and trying to do good things uh, for the world? No, I, I don't think so. And when that happens, you don't last along with it. It's got to be a natural thing. Oh, yeah, of course. You know? And I, I've seen people that have done things because of reasons, to, either because they're there, yeah. They're, yeah. Uh, or because they've been placed in a particular position and they've just changed and right. they're trying to fit in in, in a place yeah, around into a square. It doesn't work. You have to be that way inclined from the from Jump Street from the get go. And for for me, my Rastafari religion has always taught me to be humble. I don't know if you know anything about being a Rasta or seeing Rastas in your um, yeah, one of my friends is a Rastafarian. Uh, Very religion. humble, yeah, yeah. You know, the, oh, he's not one of the nicest yeah. people I've ever met. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know, I grew up by being around Rastas. As I said, Bob Marley inspired me ever since when I heard his music, even before I met him. Yeah. His first album really inspired me to be a Rasta, and you know, no matter what people say about Rasta, but it is a calming influence, and it allows you to manage your own self. And I, I do think that because of my way of life as a Rasta, it's helped me to kind of manage myself when all this fame came and from nowhere. And people are thinking that Levi's not going to be able to hold this together, bloody hell. You yeah. know, it's like you overnight you're like in everyone's faces. Every, every television program that came on for about three years, I was on them, <laughs> you know. And, and I, th I do think it's my Rastafarian so thing you, that helped me to hold give, things together. Give thanks to your Rastafari for keeping your mind stable when, when it needed well, to be. You've always got to have a reason to be grounded. Something has to hold you down. Sometimes it's somebody. In your family, it could be. Sometimes you have a good mom or a good dad or a uncle or a friend or somebody that guides you through when you get your moment. You, you see athletes, you know, before they become a world champion and they interview them and they'll tell you that. It was my coach who helped me and blah, blah, blah. And it's just somebody like, someone like or, or a reason. You've got to have a reason or somebody that keeps you grounded. Keeps you going, on, yeah, yeah. You know, it, Therefore, and for me, it was it was my faith of being around these rasters when everything was going awry, and I wasn't into drugs, and I never, you know, never got drugged out when cocaine was taking over the whole place, and why? Because rasters live a life differently. Yeah, and keep, I think keep you that grounded. really helped me to. It does, and and I really think that that's what helped me through. Um, going back to your musical side again, in one of your music tracks, Rice and Peas, which is a favorite of mine. Um, yep. You sing about going to bed with a hungry belly. Is, does yeah. it reference back to your childhood or upbringing, or is this just yeah. part of the song? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, we're we're from in in Clarendon. You know, even though we weren't the poorest, but even then, you still didn't have everything that you wanted. And and my grandma struggled because my parents had left all the kids um, back with her to come to the UK to build a life to start to send for us. So within that time when they had to work and buy a house and just get 
everything every, every everything ready to start to send for the family my grandma she had a hard time because she mm -hmm. had six kids that she had to look after um knowing that there's not much coming over from the uk because you know mom and dad were yeah. trying to buy a house and trying to get things ready so for for me when i sing those lines it was times when she finds it when she she found it a struggle to actually yeah. give us a proper meal and and maybe that's how the sauce came because she was such great at making sauces because sauces you didn't need meats because sometimes we were that poor we didn't we had the food you know we had the dumplings yeah. and the yams and the potatoes and everything real. but you know the most expensive thing was the meat and you never had that and she was so good at making these sauces that once you had a bit of sauce and everything else and you did you thought you had you know steak and pie and everything else that goes <laughs> with it because this sauce was so fantastic and, and yeah. it was that idea that i took years and years later to to, to try to to copy her style and and did my my reggae reggae sauce excellent excellent um so you're not hungry now in regards to food but i want, nah. I want to know <laughs> levi is are you still hungry for success well i think the natural entrepreneur in me will always be hungry for more success. And people will always ask the question, can an entrepreneur be born or, or can you can you make an entrepreneur? I say it's a bit of both because you gotta have that instinct in you that always wants to be doing business and doing more and yeah. never rest on your laurels and anything. And I'm like that, you know? At the moment, I've just had an operation last week, Friday on my knee. Um, right, so right. I haven't been able to move out the house um for about five days five five mm. days now um and it was one of the worst things ever for yeah. me being indoors you've got everything and it's nice and you could rest for a few days and but no i want to get out there be creative i want to be at the restaurant yeah, yeah. to be creating more recipes and see how things go well i hope you're using so, that time wisely yeah <laughs> well, I'm, I'm right i'm writing my autobiography at the moment oh really so, uh, Interesting. yeah so in in some ways it, it has given me time to to, to have a double another double like when I get some spare time well but but that's still always still working on the things that you love you know especially yeah. with the music right now I've got my guitar right next to me here you know talking to you right now with every spare moment every spare moment I pick that up and um, yeah I have a little strum and trying to write the next song you it's, know that goes it's funny you said that because I was going to ask what what's next for Levi Roots you've, you've made a fortune with your sauce You've written a number of books, such as Reggae Reggae Cookbook, The Caribbean Food Made Easy, and also um, your business book. You can get it if you really want. Um, what's next? Oh, more of the same. More you of know, the same. I, 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 because, again, I think you, I've got to be very careful that I don't come out of that comfort zone of what people expect of me. Mm. You know, um, I don't want to be doing crazy stuff now that people should be thinking, oh, what the bloody hell is Levi doing that for? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, so I think it's just to remain focused, you know, and keep doing Caribbean food because that's just still an emerging cuisine, you know, even though I've made an also name of it, I still think there's so much room for that. Um, more restaurants, um, you know, a lot more. Um, more music. I'm performing at Barcode Festival tomorrow, which is fantastic. Uh, um, more live live shows. I love performing live and more albums. And maybe now to even thinking about, you know, the holy grail of business, which is always trying to get to the United States with the brand, which right. I haven't even been level, there yeah. um, with it as yet. So that's another massive, massive mm. focus in the next couple of years for me to, to, to think of. And as I said, writing my autobiography. So you, you've achieved all these these amazing things. You're obviously now very wealthy, but this this hasn't always been the case. Can you tell us what life was like for you growing up? 
life was always about wanting more you know i think that's the best way i can put it because that's not just me it's it's the old family you know and always want a bit more there was always room you know to to have a bit more money a bit more life a bit more this and that it was never comfortable mm, yeah um which is a difficult way to put life you know now as i says i'm always comfortable in in that way where the need is not there but just going back to you know how my mom and dad had to had to do it, um, and me coming over as as the youngest one yeah. and seeing how hard they had to work, it really inspired me mm. that you know I I wanted my mom to relax when when I could afford to help her, and now you know one of my greatest you know achievements is is seeing my mom relaxed in a beautiful house in in that she owns um in in brixton that she's worked all her life for and actually owns it doesn't hold a penny on, on mortgages or anything and now all I, all I do is just support her and make sure that she have a fantastic rest of, rest of, rest of her life yeah i mean everyone's life is different and everyone suffers and some people are born into wealth it's just the, just the straw that you you get you get to pick at the, at the end of the day um, yeah, I do believe that, you know, but it's how it's what you make of it, because you've got mm. some people who was actually born with money, you know, born middle class where that, you know, they, they, they haven't been wanting, you know, everything no. has sort of been there. But yet when they look at their lives at my age now, you say, what have you bloody done? Yeah, <laughs> you've done nothing. You know, how many people, millions of people like that, you know, that oh, are yeah, born definitely. in just ways and. And when you yeah. ask them, what is your life experience? Mm. They can't tell you a great story. But then again, you have those who were not born into into it. Mm. But but after some years' time, when they tell you their story, boy, it's like a roller coaster ride. It really is. It is it's not boring. So it's horses for courses. It yeah, depends on how you take life. The, the society. Like says, the... What, if you are given lemons, you better make lemonade with it <laughs> and, and, and not bloody. Um, that's, a, that's a very good saying. That's a very good saying. I think um, there's a lot of people in life. The society's created this life where we're told we're supposed to get a job, go to school, get a job, go to college, and r run through this sort of set process to to, to live a full life. Um, mm, that's mm. that's not always the case, is it? No, it's not. That's very old school. It is a good saying because that's how it was in my mum and dad's time. You know, when when they were teenagers and growing up, because that's what there was nothing else. You know, you you lived for growing up and people had large families because you wanted to go out there and work to bring extra cash in the house so you can you can have more but nowadays it's it's different you know people get up and go i mean people in colleges nowadays i've seen people take a, a two three year sabbatical and do bugger all <laughs> you know nothing and then come back to it and 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 in my parents days you wouldn't have had that you, you could have get out there and do the job and get turn the money and get it and get it coming in in straight away and yeah i, I totally do think agree. nowadays yeah things have changed com completely oh it's had a massive switch yeah you know if if you tell my mom that when my son is saying that he's going to take in a couple of years off from uni and my mom doesn't understand that kind right. of thing because that's not how she you know when she was a kid she was a kid that would have never been done what are your uh, your thoughts on education and how it impacts entrepreneurship? Do you think it stifles it, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I have a five-year-old son now, and my main object right now is to give him as much education that I can, you mm. know, 
and making sure that he he takes in the full education that's available to him you know um that that is my plan right. for him because i've actually realized that even though you may need your natural instinct you know which again is what brought me through you know because as you know you know I, the only doors of university that i've gone through is the ones that i've gone in to teach um many right. many years after but didn't even bloody go to school that that much <laughs> um but you know i i do think that the doors are open to you it depends on how you are as a person to mm. when you are in those rooms to be able to and it's about educating yourself so i'll be telling my son you've got to educate yourself to the absolute fullest don't yeah. rely upon your natural flair which he will have because he's levi Root's son and i can already see that he has my natural out, yeah. flair you know it's coming out through him right now and i can see that it's natural but i i don't want to work on that too much <laughs> so think, think i don't obviously... encourage him sorry do you think, obviously, obviously the, the stage that you're at, that your son's confidence is going to come through naturally because of yeah. Um, his life? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I wouldn't want that to overtake mm. um, because there is a danger in that. I want him to be able to study. You know, think, don't be like your dad who didn't study and my natural flair helped me through my life, yeah. through the music and then through my entrepreneur, through my sources and stuff. I want him to be educated where I was not, because this world is different. You've got to prepare yourself for the eventualities. Because mm. I think if I was educated, I perhaps wouldn't have struggled in those early yeah. years. You know, and, yeah, and that's yeah. a concern for me. So, you know, I never say shy away from education, man. <laughs> Even though entrepreneurs have natural flares, because that's what they are. Peter Jones had his natural flair. He thought he was a tennis player. You know, right. He talks to me about these things. You know, he <clears> thought he was a bloody tennis player because he loved having the flair and you know playing tennis, and the girls loved him. He was six foot five. Yeah, or he's really tall, was isn't he? When he was teen, in his teens, and he had to go in, and it bloody crashed on him completely. Was a rubbish mm. at tennis player. He was completely <laughs> lost all his money, Luckily for money him. and his dad's <laughs> investment. And, and everything, you know what I'm saying? So the yeah. things that you think you are good at is not necessarily what's going to make mm. your life. So you have to prepare for that. But it was a good thing that Peter had a fantastic brain. He may not have had the speed on the on the tennis court to be a champion. Mm. Um, so it's amazing brain, business. Yes, but his brain was absolutely fantastic that when it comes to doing business, that's where he found that he excelled himself. But it was a good thing he paid attention when he was in school because mm. he was brilliant at business, you know. And um, and it's the same thing my son, you know. I'm going to say you've got your natural flair because you're my son. But I want you to learn, you know, the stuff that mm. I didn't learn yeah. when I was growing up. Referring back to, obviously, edu the education side of things, I've in interviewed a number of people who have made a great success of their lives and become really wealthy with little education or no qualifications at all. Yeah, you know, most entrepreneurs that I talk to, including the ones around the den, you know, which I'm very familiar with, Duncan Bannatyne, for instance, was, mm. a, was, was an ice cream salesman. You know, um, you know that, that, that's how he did it. James Kahn had to change his name and spelt it like James Kahn um, of the movie to be able to get success in, in yeah. those days because he couldn't get anybody to, 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 um, to employ him when he spelled it like K-H-A-N in right. those days. And he remembered the movie star K, who spelled it C-W-A-N. Oh, that's right, yes. There was another and, and James Carl. Absolutely. Yeah, movie, and that's, yeah. that's how we managed it. So, you know, people will, will get through in business in, in many, many different... Deborah Needham, you know, 
again, she went through through hotels and that sort of stuff, and not the stuff that she studied at university and um, to do. So you will find your own way yeah. eventually. Um, it, do, it does make me think that we need to rethink the education system, but might, by maybe incorporating some entrepreneurial traits into it and teaching people I the agree. skills they need at yeah. a younger age to support themselves in the future. I I absolutely agree, and I think the curriculum is rubbish at, at that. At, well, it has mm -hmm. been. I do think over the past 10, 15 years, programs like Dragons Den has now made learning cool. Mm. Um, and you've got people like Peter Jones and, and others in business who are now inspirational to young people. I mean, if you had told me of a six foot seven guy, you know, talking about business when I was a teen, I would say the bloody hell is Peter Jones, you know, it's send Wayne Rooney around or someone like that inspired me. But, um, but you know, people like business people right now, you know, they are the superstars, you know, it's, it's like chefs, you know, who would have been thinking of someone like a Gordon Ramsay or, you know, or some of these other chefs out there, you know, inspiring people in food and, and in business around the country. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So t times have changed. It's not yeah. the typical kind of business person used to think about before. They're touching now, people know. on a global basis now, aren't they? These, especially chefs as well. My brother's a, a head chef. Um, yeah. And his love for food is, is amazing. But obviously what they can do in that position is reach so many people. Yeah, it, it is. And and because, you know, food again now, you know, food is is the new rock and roll, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, food is the new rock and roll. It's become <clears throat> such an inspirational thing. I mean, your your brother will find that out that mm. people just so inspired by food and it just it spins the whole business about being a chef now, you know. Yeah. It's not an hidden thing before, whereas before that you just said you was a chef, you know, it just went over people's head, you know. What's that? Nowadays, when you say you're a chef, to, to people, people wake up and then instantly start asking you questions, and it's become you know a, a oh, yeah, topic yeah. and about food and and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's um time, it's times have changed when it comes to business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's fast forward a bit to to your to your business now. Since your widespread fame from appearing on Dragons Den, you've launched your own restaurant called the Caribbean Smokehouse. How's that going for you? It's great. You know, the first year for us was just such a great struggle. Now, now I know why nobody ever wants to do restaurants. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's one of the most difficult me. things to, to, to do. You know, it really is. The mm. first year, oh, you know, it's I, a lot I of spent hard work, that, isn't it? A lot of hard work. And I learned so much, you know, um, in the hard way um, within the, those those first years. And as I said, I, I, I now understand what the business is about. But as with any business, if you can get over those first obstacles of that first year within business, if, if the business is any good, then it should thrive after yeah. that. And, and I think because we were doing Caribbean food, again, you know, it was our brand that was responsible for taking the, the, the cuisine to the masses. Mm. So we are the biggest name there. And I think that's, that's what helped us to survive that first year yeah. of learning about staffing, you know, you can't keep staff because, you know, everyone's young and comes right. into work for, you know, six weeks, eight weeks it's... or more. And uh, as I came in and I said hello to somebody, I knew them by name. When I went back the next week, mm. they were bloody gone. Um, <laughs> it's all a it, learning curve, isn't it? It, every really, step? it really is. But I think, as I said, you know, we've got over that now and it's a fantastic business now. We've got great staff that I've actually gotten to know. Um, and yeah, and, and the future looks really bright. It looks bright for Caribbean food because I said it is, it is 
the next emerging cuisine out there. And mm. uh, and I'm grateful that we are, we are, you know, we are, you know, at the forefront of that when it comes to brands. Yeah, yeah. Is um is the Caribbean food is it an up and coming scene in the UK or is it more localized to London? No, it's it's actually up and up and coming right across the UK. You've got a, a there's a, a restaurant chain at the moment who's actually bombing along. Um, I mm. think they've got something like 40, 40 plus restaurants, Caribbean restaurants up and down the country. I mean, they've based it around my story. Yes, you know, they probably wouldn't have done that. Do you, do you have any plans to expand or franchise in your, your Caribbean smokehouse restaurant? Absolutely, you know, as I said, I've said that before, you know, business is always about long term, mm. you know, and, and it's never me saying, well, let's do one, you know. It's just let's get the idea down and then see how far we can take it. You know, my my plan was always to to have a chain of Caribbean restaurants, um, with the Levarius brand name up there. You know, as I said, another chain is beating us to it, and you know, or years and years ahead of us. Right. But I'm I'm still very mm. grateful that they've used my story and and knowing that people would they would you know the investors wouldn't have invested in in Caribbean food you know before reggae reggae sauce so we, we we're still pretty much grateful that you know that the, the, our brand is still leading the way for for others to be taking um you know a, a part in this great cuisine which everyone now is is talking about on the ice street excellent that's good to hear you're setting other people up just from your what you've created with your reggae reggae sauce like giving people ideas basically yeah and then that's what ideas is about no one owns ideas no. once it comes out of you'll be quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you may originate it or you may create something but once you let it out there it belongs to everybody you know because mm. anyone can do it um yeah and, and that's what it's about i've never i've never been to a caribbean restaurant myself but if i was to come to your caribbean smokehouse what dish would you recommend to me and why uh, well, first of all, you'll have to work out where in the Caribbean you wanted to visit because, again, people think of the Caribbean and we think of three or four islands that we always hear in the cricket team, for instance. You know, that's how we get to know. We, we have Antigua here, Barbados, and that sort of But I mean, there's thousands of islands in the Caribbean, uh, you know, and one thing I wanted to do is not to do a Jamaican restaurant because, again, that's something that's... Jamaicans are very entrepreneurial and there's lots of takeaways. But when you, my restaurant, I wanted to do a Caribbean restaurant. So there's so many things. I mean, you mm. can go from Jamaica with your ackee and saltfish and to your, to, you can go to Martinique with your Martinique chicken curry there. You know, we can go to Barbados with my Bayesian fish cakes. Um, we can go to Trinidad with my cuckoo bite. So the re the menu is just it's just a Caribbean. Caribbean I'm actually drooling. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, you know there's uh, there's burgers and things on is... there which everyone knows, but it has my special twist. If I okay. do a burger, I would just put a different sort of twist to it. It would be the same as as how you do it on the road. So there's nothing really strange on mm. there, you know. Are, I, are they I... generally spicy dishes, or do you cater for people with more delicate palate? Well, I, again, I had to I had to be Levi Roots in the choice of my menus because everyone yeah. knows that I may be Jamaican and Caribbean in my roots, but I'm you know I'm, I've been here all my life basically. So all my recipes are based around my Britishness and my Caribbeanness. Um, so I wouldn't put anything on my menu that's totally, um, you know, that nobody would understand or or be mm -hmm. too difficult to grasp the spiciness. So. 
it's it's right down the middle is it um, right and and offers something for 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 everyone <laughs> obviously the star is the is the reggae reggae jerk chicken you know that's that's a yeah. favorite but um that's there, the headline there is, is it yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounds about it sounds amazing i'll have to bring my jamaican friend along and uh you must pay you, you must. a visit you must um moving on um you've done what 99 percent of the world's population only dream about doing You've incorporated your passion for food and your passion for music, and you've turned it into this thriving business, which has ultimately created this amazing life for yourself. Do you still have moments of self-doubt and low confidence? No, I've never had self-doubt and low confidence. I think the music, and as I was saying, my Rastafariism has, has helped me that. With music, you cannot have self-doubt. It's born like that. I think most musicians are very shy without their instruments. Um, I think you will find that. Mm. Even the great rock stars or whatever, deep inside they're very shy. It's when they take on the mantra of being on stage and of the musician, and that's when they have to be the leader because once mm. a band's on stage, the crowd is expecting, however much they are, they're waiting for you to, 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 to make that move and, and to create that vibe. And I've always been so lucky to be on the stage ever since I was yeah. maybe sort of fifteen. But, but turning that turning that into a business is it, was that does that just seem natural? Or was that easy for you? It's natural because as we spoke about before, I went on the Dragons Den as Levi Roots, the singer, the yeah. songwriter, the chef, the whole the package of that, yeah. you know. And and that's what I've been able to be doing. I'm lucky enough to be playing that role, my true role over many years that not having to dilute it or pretend and the public is, is accepted is accepted me for that. And that's where the danger comes in because you have to be true to yourself. And and that's when mm. you know you can do it for longevity. Um it's it's like playing a bloody role in a soap, you know it can be bloody boring if you're Phil Mitchell all your life when that's not really you. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Um yeah, it, it was better if the actor is actually Phil Mitchell himself. Um more but what's his name? McFadden or whatever. I'm not it, sure. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. It must be horrible that you're going home when you're you're someone else and you're not the the, the real thing. But for me, I'm lucky that you know. Over it's the easy, and you haven't got to act, have you? you just yourself, I haven't got so. to act. Absolutely, people just expect mm. expect me to be me. What would you say to aspiring entrepreneurs that might be listening that are struggling with self doubt and low confidence and these these emotions that are holding back? What would you say to them? You've got to become the best of you. That's my spiel that I spin when I go to schools and I say, mm. I say to kids, don't be the best someone else. Be the best you. You know, the best you as you are. There's only one of you. You know, if you, if you know when you're not being at your potential, admit to it and work harder. You don't have to admit to anybody else mm. because that's when it becomes problems, for, especially for young people. But if you're only looking, it's like, for instance, if you're an athlete, the only thing that you should be looking for is what they call PB. Yeah, you shouldn't be looking to break the world record when you're in practice and you're, you know, you're starting your business. You're starting as a runner and you started. No one's expecting you to break Usain Bolt's record. All you're asking of you is to be the mm -hmm. best of you. Just get your personal best every time you run. Get your personal best, and the next time is just trying to beat your own self. Don't worry about it. Be very tunnel vision in that. Yeah. From you got your plan and you know what you want to do, 
be tunnel vision and trying to get to the best of it. It's not like you, you're not competing with your friend or with whatever. It's not about that. Just... You see what I mean? That, that becomes difficult when you when you do that. It is about competing with your own self. And, yeah. and that's how you, you, you've got you've to yeah. work it out. Just being patient and enjoying the journey rather than trying to rush and... Yeah, when in rush and competing with others and people saying you're not good enough because you're trying to be like someone else and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Trying to trying to be you and break your own record. And that it's it's a beautiful thing when you do it that way. And it's what I'm trying to teach my, my son and which what I will do is 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 that the same thing. Your only other competitor is your own self. You know, you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, great words of wisdom there, Levi. Great words. Um finally, Levi, the question I ask all of my guests is who do you consider the most mogul entrepreneur or business professional? Now, this is someone whose business acumen has impressed you over the years. Oh, it's it's, it's one that I've always said, you know, except I saw my mom and dad as the greatest entrepreneurs that I will ever see and I'll ever know. And there's a reason for that. Because my mom and dad came to this country here when they were very young without a penny it's just the dream of saying that we're gonna oh, hopefully we'll get a job they brought a house within two years they had wow. six kids when they when they left in jamaica with with the with my mom's mom you know and i was the youngest at the time and within the following year they sent for the first one which was my sister and then every year after that each one after that until the all until the whole family was here together educated in school we were the proper family 2.3 kids in the back in a mm. car up front that type of thing that you know everybody everybody says and when i look even though we've had many problems with then and i've had problems with my dad and everything like that to do with it but when i look back at that now and i think that what what does a business model look like who's an entrepreneur who's done the greatest feat um of yeah of entrepreneurship there is no one else that i should be looking back and i think with young kids nowadays they need to do the same don't look for it outside of your circle because your parents done a great fucking job whatever it is to grow you up and to bring you up depends on what your circumstances are my circumstances was that my mom and dad had to do a monumental thing entrepreneurial work because it's not like they came here and sat and just said it was working you had to save your money and you had to do things and blah blah that is entrepreneurial, man, and and for me, that that's one of the greatest. So they set off with just dream, hope, and faith. Dream, dream, hope, and hard work attitude. Yeah. That was it. No money, nothing. It just the work, the work ethics. My dad knew that he could work. He was a hard worker. My mom, oh my god, my mom would be doing like <clears throat> two, three jobs a day just because she she had a vision she wanted to send for her kids she wanted to do her stuff and she had a reason and i suppose that's how entrepreneurs work hard because you've got to have a reasons why you want to do it you know well, and, and i look back at those two as, as my greatest example their hard working ways have obviously rubbed off on yourself so yeah i can see why why you say that um oh, you, geez, you obviously man. know your your roots levi uh, pardon, pardon. Oh, dude, um, pardon you, you have a great sense of who you are and you're you know extremely humble and you seem really grateful for the life that you now have um, i just wanted to say a big thank you for you for coming on the show and answering my questions and sharing your journey with the most mogul audience no problem at all my brother you take care of yourself man that's thank what you. it's about that's and, uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your journey thank you very much thank you one love one love indeed levi I also want to thank the Most Mogul listeners for your continued support 
Please share this interview on social media, tweet it, pin it, or give it a good old-fashioned share and a like on Facebook. This really helps us to reach tons more people. If you're listening and would like to donate to Most Mogul, there is a link to our donations page below. If you're listening via iTunes, SoundCloud, or any other platform, you can find our donations page by going to mostmogul.com forward slash donate. All donations go to furthering the progress of Most Mogul to bring you more value, more interviews, and to get you closer to success.